to have you with us here today as we come and unite together to worship our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're a guest with us today, my name is Mark, one of the pastors here, and we're just glad you chose to worship with us. I did want to say a special thank you today uh, to Riley uh, for jumping in and helping us this week. You know, when I was your age, I would have been terrified to be up here. And knowing some of this crew, I still get terrified sometimes to be up here. Thank um, you, Riley, for helping us out. And, you know, Riley is just one of a number of our, our teens and even children who just have uh, hearts that desire to serve God. And uh, so thankful for Riley being up here with us today, but also thankful for the teens and children in our church that God is using to serve God in others. And uh, I just wanted to call attention to that this morning. Give your Bibles. I invite you to join me in Genesis chapter 25, verse 19. And if you're able to, I just invite you to stand as we read God's Word today. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he married the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean, from Patan, Aram. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, since he was unable to have children. The Lord was moved by his prayer, and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. The daughters pushed against each other inside of her, and she said, this is what it's like. Why did it happen? So she went to ask the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two different peoples were emerged from your body. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. When she reached the end, she discovered that she had twins. The first thing over, clothed with hair, and she named him Esau. Immediately afterward, his brother came out, gripping Esau's heel. She named him Jacob. Isaac was six years old when they were born. When the young man he knew how to play, and Jacob became a quiet man who stayed at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating game. But Rebecca Jacob. Once when Jacob was more than two, he saw from the field hungry and let him devour some of this red stuff. That's why his name is Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright today. Esau said, What good is my birthright to me? Jacob said, Give me your word today. And he did. He sold his birthright. So Jacob ate Esau lentil stew. He ate, drank, got left, showing just how little he thought of his birthright. This is the word of God. We say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, when we first come to this passage, like, this is just a great place to be. Obviously, he has a lot of Rebecca, 
know, this is, you kind of expect the scene to be living in home with a white picket fence and mountain views, right? Just everything almost ideal, except it's not. Because they have no children. Did you catch that? Here we see Isaac, this son this this family is a great imagination, and for the second generation, they struggle to have babies. I don't know if you've ever wondered, sometimes I wonder, a family that seems to be playing the variables to make them into a great and mighty nation. You know, we really have time to unpack all of that today, but I would just remind us one thing we've seen throughout Genesis is that we have a God that places of chaos or lifelessness to bring about things like the world or life. See that there is no person or thing or power. This family that he would make them into a great and mighty nation, there is nothing that God said that, I also want to remind us that nowhere does God promise us that life is always going to be easy. Nowhere us that we will go through life without troubles, or heartache, or pain. God does promise, however, to be with us in the midst of those things. And there is nothing that us from the love and grace of God. Amen? I realize sometimes you hear people like to say those things, and you might think, well, yeah, they're a pastor who's supposed to say those things. But many of you hear that know how difficult the last nine months have been for our family. We went through my mom's unexpected death and my wife's diagnosis with cancer. Not many of you probably know that just a few days ago, I found out that pastor in Nebraska, he and his family flew out to Portland to visit family earlier this week. And a couple of days ago, he suddenly and unexpectedly died leaving a wife and three daughters and now a church without him. I say, many of us have gone through seasons of life that are full of difficulty. And I also say to you today that I testify that God is faithful, that God is present in the highs and lows of life. And so there is no situation that God is not working. It doesn't mean that we go through those without questions or uncertainties or challenges. But I do say that God is faithful. That God is faithful. Amen? If you think of me, if you think of, you think of me, think of Mary's family, Crystal and the three girls and their church in Nebraska. And just be in prayer for them. That's not what's best. <laughs> but it is difficult to look at a passage like this filled with uncertainties and not talk about some of the ways that God shows up and that God works in these ways. You know, here in this passage, we, we discover that, that Jacob, uh, or excuse me, that, that Isaac and Rebecca are struggling to have children. But I want Isaac's father. 
own hands. Instead, he prays. He prays, and God answers his prayers, and Isaac's wife, Rebecca, gets pregnant, and all of a sudden, he finds out now, it's been a few years since we had to go through diapers and middle-of-the-night feedings and all of that. I'm so sure that twins would be an answer to prayer. But can you imagine how much joy they would have after so long of just longing for children, longing for a family, and God blessed them with twins? But it's that there is something different about this pregnancy that, that these twins, there's this, there's this inside of her that spills out when these boys are born. And we come to realize that the two boys, Esau, Esau and Jacob, couldn't be any more different than one another. Esau, the older of the twins, loved outdoors. He would fit in well in the Northwest, right? He loved the outdoors, you know, that he wore cloths and he used butts and his cologne and he probably drank Folger's coffee. Who He probably didn't drink it, he just ate the coffee grounds, right? And he had a beard, and not a mixture of beard, like a beard. And he was a on the other hand, he might have had a beard too, but he would have had a hipster without a beard beard. And he knew his way And he was clever. He was clever in the kind of way that would look for opportunities to further himself or to advantage himself. You know, and this when story you find here in Scripture is just one of many examples of how these two brothers related to one another. But it becomes a example as, as Esau comes back from hunting and he's starving to death. Anyone of you ever had a kid come home and say they're starving to death? Esau apparently thought he was starving to death and gave them songs as an opportunity to advance himself. So he told Esau that he would give him some food if Esau would now, just a comment. Birthrights had, uh, there's an honor with being the oldest child, but there was also a responsibility. Because being the oldest child, the oldest son, and having the birthright meant that when the time came when your father died, that you received twice as much inheritance as anybody else. Part of that was because it was your responsibility to care for your family and to provide for but it was also kind of this thing of prestige or of honor. And so in this context, Esau wants some food if you give me your birthright. And we heard what Esau said. He said, well, what gives my birthright if I'm dead? You can have it. I don't care. And so we see this thing take place. And many of us who are here today are familiar enough with the story to know that this place itself grew out further in the chapters to come. He doesn't have to stop to think all about this. He think about this story. I have some trouble with this story. I have trouble with this story because obviously Rebecca as parents seem to play favorites with which son they favor. I have trouble 
with this story because we see this digging and conniving and stealing It seems to me that scriptures to be a little bit different than the world around us. But this is the world in which we live, doesn't it? Worse, these two sons, Esau and Jacob, are the sons of the promise. these boys. Anybody feel that way? And yet, God is choosing to work through Jacob and Esau and through this family. You know, this is a little bit of a scandalous story, isn't it? I mean, lying and cheating and such a trickster who, who deceives and, and steals and even tries to pick his dad in this that God is able to transform our lives and continue to mold us and shape us by God's grace. Amen? You know, this passage shares a lot about the grace of God that will find us and meet us wherever we are. Also, the grace of God loves us too much to allow us to stay in that way. But that works within us to, to transform us and to shape us and to move us and to carry us on. I can't help but think that, that there are probably some of you here today who want to love someone like you, let alone use someone like you for God's purposes. 
To know that sometimes that's a really that's a struggle, right? That inner struggle is the most difficult one that we can make. So I just want to say today that I know that there are others in this church today who've who've wrestled with that same struggle themselves, who've wondered if God is real, and they need to realize, yes, God is real. Find yourself in that place struggling with that today. You're not alone. And there's a this place who can affirm to you that God does love you and that God loves you because they've experienced that themselves. Amen? There's another group who are here today who, who've heard this message over the years and have received God's grace. Only for ourselves. We call that sin sometimes, don't we? Putting ourselves first. When we all experience to receive God's love and grace. And for those of us who've known that for a long time, don't ever forget what it is that God has brought us from. Don't forget that place where God has found us and where God has brought us. And let's Thank you. 
chaos to bring about order. We've seen that lives of people who are tortured and hurting and forgotten by Their lives. We see that God is at work in some of the places where we maybe wouldn't have expected. But that God fills up with those places that we knew and exciting things. And we gather today on Sunday, the day of the resurrection, to be reminded that God makes us and making all things Amen? And maybe we see that. And may we be a part of that. Lord God, as we gather today as we worship you, we are so thankful, Lord, that your sees us where we are and seeks us out to To bring restoration and healing in those places. That you desire use us and work through us. God, my prayer for us today is that we would all know and experience and live out your love and God, we would be a people who not only receive that for ourselves, but allow that to flow through us to those around us. So God, we just say thank you for being faithful to your promises. Thank you for your love and grace that you offer. Thank you for the way that you are making something out of us. So God, give you the praise and the thanks in your name. Amen. I'm going to go to the hospital. 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 I'm going
Thank you. 